Welcome to Upside Down Mirror, one woman's true story of a twin flame journey, a reflection of true love, true hate, and everything between, where everything and nothing matters at the same time. shatter as mirrors of shadows cut through indestructible layers testing the sands of time. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 22 of Upside Down Mirror. If you remember from episode 21 we had just completed the ceremony at Sedona. It was such a loving divine masculine and feminine environment. Everybody was getting along and I was being shown a true demonstration of unconditional love, maybe for the first time in my, my life. I remember during the ceremony, Sean looking at me, telling me he understands Ryan and I's friendship and he supports us. He wants Ryan to be that starseed brother for me. And I remember Ryan looking at me as I was hugging Sean and Willow and smiling, telling me how happy it made him to see us happy and to see us grow. And I was thinking I can't be a luckier woman than what I am now. And now I have to give this love back. So there was a few more layers that I knew I had to work through, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was yet. And of course, when we work through stuff, it always comes out in a mirror with the people that we love the most. Right before we left to go home, from Sedona, we had decided Ryan, Sean, Willow and I, and another girl from the Academy decided to go see the Grand Canyon one more time. And we had just came from ceremony. So I'm in that energy of everything is just serendipitous. Everything is synchronistic. When you think something, it happens like that instant manifestation. That's the point that it gets you to. When you think something, it happens. We have that power within us. Well, Sean was getting a little tired driving, and so he asked me if I would drive on the roads to get to the Grand Canyon. And I looked at him jokingly and I said, oh, I'm not sure my brain's in a great state for me to be driving. I mean, I wasn't on any medicine or anything like that. It was just recovering from ceremony. And I jokingly said to him, okay, we can take a journey into my subconscious mind. And I started driving and I saw exit 333. And I said, oh wow, if we had time, I would just drive down that exit because it's a portal. And no one really said anything and we just kept driving. And all of a sudden the GBS just says that we're going the wrong way. And even Sean was like, what is happening? We're not going the wrong way. Why is it wanting us to do a U-turn? 
And I was like, I guess maybe I missed an exit. And he said, well, no, you didn't miss an exit. And so I was like, let's just follow it and see where it takes us. And we did a U-turn and it took us right back to exit 333. It actually said, take exit 333. And Sean looked at me and his eyes were so wide and he was like, oh my gosh, Rebecca, this doesn't even really lead anywhere. He's like, I guess I'm going to have to drive. He's like, because you're right, you can't drive right now because everything you think is going to start happening. And we all kind of had a laugh about it. And we explored the energy of 333 for a bit and then went on our way. So we get home and we get settled. And one of the first things that Sean says while we're lying in bed together is, wow, we need to actually make another batch of ayahuasca. And I started laughing because we had just done it for six nights. And I said, soon, soon we will. And he told me how much fun he had and how he really enjoyed this being a part of his life and how he knows now that music heals him as it heals other people. So he's playing the music for himself. As he plays it for himself, he's also healing those around him. And he's telling me how much he has to learn. And, you know, we're cuddling and kissing. And then something really magical happened. Remember I told you that my guide said that when you are fertile, like if a girl is fertile, if you come inside of her, she doesn't need to have a baby. If you guys together create the life force you choose, he would have never, ever, ever done that before in a million years. Because in his mind, I could still get pregnant. And that day I was ovulating and I told him that. He said, okay, let's do it. And he has done that ever since. He just never worry about me getting pregnant. He said he just clears his mind, he connects to me, and he wishes for our true love and happiness. And he knows that is what's going to be born because we don't need a child in our lives to bring us together or to give us anything other than what we already have because we can find that within each other. And of course, within ourselves. So this really deep layer of martyring is what I was now facing that I was working on. It had been underlying the whole entire time, but it's one of those things that plays out in your life and you just choose to ignore. And remember, martyring is that oath or obligation or vow that you have to be the one that helps somebody. It's great to help people, but when you help people, you should feel happy and enjoy doing it. You shouldn't feel like the only reason you're helping someone is out of guilt or it's because you are afraid of what might happen or some sort of obligation. We cannot bring our heaven to earth if we hold any low frequency energies. We'll manifest through those low frequency energies. Martyring is a very low frequency energy. It's helping someone out of guilt, doubt, shame, or fear. And what had been playing out in my life is my youngest sister, who's 10 years younger than me, she was leaving a man and I told her I would pay her rent and all of her bills for six months so she could get back on her feet. But it was her job to be able to do that and she could, you know, I made sure there was opportunity there. And that six months turned into a year. And after the year came around, I said, okay. I said to her, what are you gonna do now that I I'm no longer going to pay your bills. And she looked at me and she said, I guess I'm gonna to have to take him back. And I knew right then, wow, you, 
you know, this is the perfect example of what not to do. It was like a big slap in the face. And so I just decided to let go. But then something deeper came up whenever I told her, absolutely not. I'm not going to be that person that pays your bills anymore. My mother, who I love dearly, and who is a very good mother, if you look back on my childhood, I would do anything for my mother, and I would be happy to do it. I would be in high frequency doing stuff for my mother. That's how much I love her and how much she's done for me and how it's a, it's an equal relationship. But then she started martyring for my youngest sister whenever I stopped. So then my mom had to come to me and say, please help me as I martyr for your sister because I really can't afford to martyr for her, so you need to martyr for me, basically is what my mom said to me. She said, you're not doing it for your sister, you're doing it for me, because she knew I would. And then I was kind of really stuck in this whole knot. So I played into it for a little bit, and once again, that's an energy, and, and there's a mirror there. So then in my 3D reality, what's playing out this whole entire time is, Ryan, he's stuck at his mother's house, literally in the basement. She has custody of his daughter, and he even got his car taken away by his grandmother, if that's even possible. So he was literally trapped, what it appeared to me to be trapped, in his mother's house with no way out. So I'm thinking I have to be the one that, that saves him. I love him dearly. And I actually started going back into that old pattern, even though I'd been through so much. So what came was the teacher for Awake, she ended up manifesting that beautiful Mount Shasta dream home that she manifested on that in that ceremony in Mount Shasta. So it came into fruition and she wanted me to fly out with her to sign the paperwork. She was super excited. It was super beautiful. And I said, yes. But right away, I thought, I'm going to bring Ryan. And the reason is, is two, two things. I thought I missed him. I loved seeing him in Sedona. And this would be great for him to get out of his house. He was really suffering in Sedona with that whole situation that was going on with his mom. So... I asked Sean if this was okay, and he wasn't super excited about it at first, you know, and I, I can see why. He was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll stay here. I don't really want to travel anyways. That's fine, Rebecca. You go ahead and leave. And I said, it's only going to be for four, four days, and then I'll be back. And he said, okay, and he held space for me to do that. And I flew Ryan out to Mount Shasta. I met with uh, the teacher from Awake, and we all had an amazing time. She invited another friend. The house was beautiful. We spent some time opening up the portals. And what I realized was I felt at that time that Ryan and I's connection even got deeper, if that was possible. I remember looking at him when he got there feeling something different, feeling like almost like an expansion in his heart. And some of that Tantra energy was coming out, which I couldn't feel before. So I knew he had done a lot of work on himself. I went to bed that night and I told him, and he agreed, we were sleeping in separate bedrooms. 
you know, this has gotten to a point where it's obvious, you know, who's going to be with who that I'm going to be with Sean. And he's completely unconditionally accepting of that. But I went into the bedroom and this is going to sound cliche, but it really did happen. I was lying there and I looked and there was a dark figure in my room and I ran out of the room and I ran out into the living room and I thought everybody was in bed, but Ryan was sitting there and I said, there's something in my room. There's a dark figure. And he kind of chuckled and started laughing. And he said, do you want me to lie down with you? And I said, yes. I said, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. And we lie down together and we laughed and had a really good talk. And he was telling me the situation with his mom and I was trying to help him and doing energy work and give him, give him advice. And he started cuddling with me and I could feel that expansion in his heart and I could feel the connection. And I just sat there in his arms and we just talked and played music and everything was once again synchronized. And we talked about how much fun we had together because we had been to the waterfalls at Mount Shasta. We had went around and looked at everything and we just really started to feel that connection again. And there was actually a little bit of me that was wondering how I could be so deeply connected with one person and yet so much in love with another. And so he just looked at me and he said, you know, it's okay. Things are going to play out the way they need to. You and I can be divine friends. And this is the way it's supposed to be, Rebecca, that you're supposed to live in a world of unconditional love. So before he left, I remember giving him some money because I knew that he didn't have that much money and he was going to go back home to his mom. But I did tell him, you know, you've got to just say no. You've just got to walk out. Walk out. You have to walk out of that house. And he's like, I know I need to do it. And the entire time, I'm not realizing that I basically need to do the same thing. So it's playing out in this pattern where him and I are once again having this very strong connection. So where it all came to light was, is I got home and I started to have some conversations with my mother. And finally, I stood in my power when I realized what I was doing. And instead of making up an excuse to the universe and saying, I don't have the money to help my sister, because remember, whatever I speak normally comes true. So I said to my mother, it's not that I don't have the money to help her because I do. If I had a billion dollars laying right in front of my face right now, I would not help her because of the energy of it all. She's not helping herself. She's refusing to help herself. So what you're investing in is that energy. You keep feeding that energy in her. If you stop giving her money, if you stop feeding that energy, which is a monster, that monster will die and something else will grow. She'll step into another power, another energy, and she'll start to provide for herself. My mother said, you would do that to her children? And I said, it's not me doing that to her children. It's her doing that to her children, and that's going to be up to her. So after I made that final decision, I got a repair bill from the landlord where she had done a lot of damages, and a very large water bill that I didn't know could even be that large. I was wondering what she did 
with the water to make it that large, but that was the universe saying, here you go. You know, here's some final remnants of your martyring. And so I was like, okay, you know, and I said to my mom, no. I said, no, 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 I'm not doing it. And I told my sister, never ask me again. I'm not going to do it. So then I invite Ryan to do the Mount Shasta ceremony that we're going to be doing later. I had already invited him when we were in Mount Shasta. I said, we're all going to be doing a ceremony and you're invited to, to come. And this was before him and I left for Mount Shasta to come back home. And it had been a few weeks and everything was kind of going in normal in my life. And I was really growing with Sean. Like Sean was all about growth. Like he was introducing me into his world by entering into mine through music and other creative resources. So that expansion was profound and it still is very profound. Meanwhile, I get this phone call from Brian and basically he had agreed to work on something in my house to pay me back some of the money that he owed me. And he was telling me that he no longer was going to do it. His exact words were, I'm just going to sit here and see what the universe brings me. And you can find someone else to do your house. And if I want to come into your house, then there's plenty to do there. So I still can. And then he informed me that I would have to lend him money to get to Mount Shasta and I would be paying for him to get there as though it's my obligation. And I couldn't even believe the conversation. I couldn't believe that he was saying this to me. So then I was like, okay, this is definitely a test. I told him that I would be finding someone else to do the repairs in the house that I needed done and that I would leave an open space for him to come to Mount Shasta, that we were gonna have two kick-ass ceremonies that we're going to be doing, but I will not provide one penny for him to get there. I'm not gonna pay him in advance for facilitating, nothing. He has to provide his own way there. He has to show up for himself. And that's the only way that I'm going to accept him back into my life is if he has the ability to show up for himself, to be able to get there, to be in my life, instead of me having to make sure that everybody's taken care of so that they're still in my life because my fear of losing them. So I was and am willing to completely let him go and trust that if he's meant to show up, he will in the capacity of pure self-love. After all, this is my reality. So the only way to release him from the prison of the martyring situation that he's in is to release myself from the prison of the martyring situations I put myself in. So this was a really big decision for me and it started to show up in such positive ways in my life, even in my career, people on the back end, because when you run a business, there's a big back end. The people that were showing up for me were in their divine power. I was having people that were showing up knowing what they were doing, charging the right prices, getting to the point. I wasn't having to go through any BS. 
everything was aligning perfectly in the areas of the universe protecting me and keeping me safe, no matter if it was through my love life, health, or wealth. At this point, I had released that final weight that I wanted to release, right? The weight, because of all that martyring as a kid, I gained so much weight. I was well, at one point over a hundred pounds overweight as a child because of all this energy I soaked in. My sisters were super skinny and I was just super big and I lost all that weight. And now I just finished losing the residual of, of the weight I had to lose. That fear, anger, and trauma that we all keep, that keeps that energy on us, that, you know, it's not about the food. I'm telling you, it's about this energy. So I make an appointment in Costa Rica to finally, since I'm at that weight that I want to be at, to have the surgery done to remove the loose skin so that I can really step into my divine feminine and feel that divine femininity that I want to feel. I mean, I feel divine feminine, but when I look in the mirror, I want to see that part of me. Like I worked out so hard. I've come to the weight that I've always wanted to get to. I've worked very hard at it. I'm at the energy where I wanted to get to. So this was my reward. And my husband decided that he was going to support it a hundred percent. So I decided to go to, go to Costa Rica and have this done for myself. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to need you to go with me because the universe is going to show up. And the hotel that I stayed at, the the nurse was very loving. They had a nurse there that basically watched over you 24-7. They had the hotel manager was, she did a lymphatic massage after the surgery. And even the doctors that did the surgery were different. I remember calling in my galactical surgery team and this was like a team and I'd never really seen that. Usually it's just like one person doing it. And the doctor walked in to talk to me beforehand and he said, what do you do for a living? And I told him and he said, oh, he's like, your energy's really different. He's like, I'm not used to being able to be in a room with someone for a really long period of time. He's like, in my profession, I'm kind of in and out really fast. He's like, but your energy feels very calm and collected and you feel really grounded. He said, I like that. And I told him, thank you. And I told him, I trust you. And um, he hugged me and said, don't worry. He's like, we got you. And the whole trip was just amazing down to the food that I was eating, down to the the driver that they had picked me up from the airport that showed me a picture of himself ahead of time. Remember, this was a trip where I was undergoing a five-hour surgery, and I chose to go alone because I knew that the universe would give me the best if I trusted the universe. If I was going to have my husband come, because we had talked about it, he didn't really want to. There's some things he had to do. We just stop traveling then I would have felt obligated to him when I was lying there trying to heal so there's all that energy that I didn't want yeah I love him I knew he'd be there for me and he said he would be there for me and even my sisters and there's so many people that offered but I knew I said don't worry I'm going to be 100% taken care of 
and I was a million percent taken care of. One night while I was in Costa Rica, I was told by my guides to lie down and I lied in the bed and I started shivering and that's how I know that I'm getting worked on by higher guidance by the starseed beings I get really cold almost from the inside out I started shivering and they showed themselves to me as though they were pure white light and they said that when they work on people that they go in this form they go in a form of a pure white light because they're part of that all that is energy and they told me at first you know to lie on my back and they were doing some downloads working on my dna and then they told me to turn to the right side and they worked on me there and they told me to turn to the left side and they worked on me there as well and they it was interesting because they were putting something in my uterus that they said was going to be born from me it wasn't a child or anything like that it's something it's a form of an energy a creation of some sort and they were telling me about ryan and the fact that there's a larger picture with him that i can't see because i'm too in my 3d thinking but that you know i made the right choice there just give that compassion and unconditional love and that not to worry that you know they kind of chuckled they like sean is that one that you keep referring to and they chuckled because there's not such thing as just having one person in your life you're always going to have unconditional love around you it's going to show up through guys and girls and whoever is around you at the time if you allow it but that one person that you keep growing with and growing with and growing with they were telling me you know sean is going to be that person and they put some downloads in his crown chakra and they were showing me that and they said when you get home, make sure that you guys make love and he comes inside of you again because he's gonna be fertilizing this creation that we just put in you and something really big is gonna be born for the both of you guys. And I'm super excited to see that what that will be. And so I came out of it and just then got a text message from a student from Awake that basically told me that they saw me in a situation where I was going to rebirth something. They actually outlined what my guides had done during that psychic surgery. And I was like, whoa, you definitely cannot make this up. And just then also, I would say about an hour after that, I got a text message from Ryan saying, hey, you know, I will come and, and do your house. And I said, no, that's okay. I was like, I'm just gonna leave that be. And I told him once again, I said, I'm saying this in the most loving way. I will always love you. The door is open for you to come and facilitate with us, but you have to be able to show up for yourself and you have to be able to get there. And I'm leaving that be, and I trust that I have no attachment to how that's going to end up. And then you would think that I would be even a little clingier to Sean, right? I just felt like I might have given Ryan away potentially, potentially forever. I remember I used to think like that. I got to have somebody. And then I got the higher guidance and I knew what I had to do. I had to let Sean know that 
I cannot control who his friends are, that him and I have been through so much that I trust him, that if he wants to Facebook that girl and be her friend, that he can do it. Just don't hide it from me. Just let me know because that we can be truthful to one another and to be open about it. And he said, okay. And I felt like that was a fair playing field at that point for us to exclusively trust one another. After getting that psychic surgery done by the guides, everything just shifted in my life. My son called me before I came home. And once again, this is a mothering thing that's going to heal itself. And he was in the room with his nanny, which was my ex-husband's mother. And I was talking to him and he said, mom, mom, I gotta go, nanny's here. And I said, so? And he said, well, I gotta go. And so then he hung up the phone and the issue there was, is he's not allowed to talk to me in front of her because she gets mad. She's just very controlling like that. So the kids, when they're in front of her, they don't show love to me or my mother because she just gets angry. So I texted Caden very lovingly. You should be able to show your love to me in front of anybody. You should be able to scream it from the rooftops. And I was told not to go through Caden. I'll talk to him about that. We'll work on that. But instead, I called my ex-husband. And I told my ex-husband what happened. And I said, I'm not complaining to you. But I just want to tell you that I understand a lot of things that went down. And I asked him to tell me how he felt in those situations. And he said, I felt trapped and I felt in jail because that's what my mom has always done to me. Our kids weren't even allowed to play with my sister's kids growing up or he would get into trouble. He had to hide it from his mother. This is how he grew up with everything. And he told me, he said, to me, love is prison and I just want to be free. And this is a man who we divorced in 2008 and he's never had a girlfriend since 2008. And of course I used to think, oh, it's because he couldn't get over me. And that's not why at all. It's because when him and I got together, I just was in a horrible relationship and I didn't really want to connect. And he definitely didn't want to connect because he didn't want to be in hell with a girl. So that relationship played out how it had to, even though we did love each other in our own ways. But I was telling him everything I had been through and I was working on him energetically and giving him these downloads. And I was saying, love is not a prison. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I just like being alone. I like being free. And I was like, imagine being with someone who's your best friend and when you're with them, they make you even more free because they support the passions and freedoms that you love in your life. And they just amplify this freedom for you. I was like, can you imagine that? And he's like, well, I never really thought of that. He goes, yeah, I guess I can. And I did so much more work on him. I wouldn't have time to tell you in this episode. But at the end of the conversation, I said, I think someone's coming into your life. I said, I'm guided. 
to tell you that. He goes, really, Rebecca? He's like, your messages are usually accurate. And I said, yeah. And I was like, and it's very important that you listen to what I'm saying and take this opportunity to be that person's best friend and then be their lover. And he said, I really, really appreciate this, Rebecca, more than you know. And him and I agreed to be the beacon of light for our son. By shifting our DNA, his DNA will shift. He'll get through what he needs to get through with this whole situation. And together we collectively, for the first time since we divorced, told each other, I love you. I said, I love you. And he said, I love you too, babe. Thank you so much. And we hung up the phone. So oftentimes my students will ask me, how do I get into the quantum field? Getting into the quantum field, getting into the zero point, getting to where everybody wants to be is simply by paying attention to the here and now, what's in front of your face, what is the universe showing you? You need to practice listening to your messages, which is channeling those strong messages that come sometimes, or they could be subtle messages that come, but learn to listen to them. When we were children, we did listen to them, but it's through the programming that we started downing ourselves. So at this point, because of the many years of ceremonies I've done and running the academy, working with students, working on myself constantly, I wake up every day paying attention to what's right in front of my face and I'm able to recognize when something is being channeled to me. It is at this point that the universe becomes your playground. So I flew home from Costa Rica the next day and my plan was to stay at a hotel so the next morning I could go and meet with a surgeon who did laser therapy for scars. That was part of my surgery plan. Go to Costa Rica, get the loose skin removed, right away go to meet with this professional who had amazing reviews on his website about this new technology that was removing scars with lasers. As a side note for anyone who is listening to this that struggles with holding on to weight, what I've noticed at this point is as I'm releasing these energies and I'm continuing to clear that stuck, stagnant gook from my DNA, I am no longer craving foods that I used to crave, not even wanting them. Furthermore, when I do decide to eat them, like if I'm wanting to eat a chocolate bar, it's not affecting me. I'm not gaining weight. I'm actually continuing to release a bit of weight, even though I'm not intending to. My whole metabolism reset itself. Everything feels different. I feel like a completely different person when I let go of this deep-seated martyring program. I believe that people that hold on to extra weight deep, deep, deep down in their genetics are suffering needlessly. So at 7 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and got ready for my 8 o'clock appointment with the surgeon. I get there on time. I wait about 30 minutes and then his secretary comes in. She basically types everything 
that he says. Not only that, she does a pre-assessment so that she can type that into his notes as well. And you can tell that she's used to doing this. So she'll go in and she'll interview the client. She'll type the notes and then he talks to the client and she types what he says and then she'll type the conclusion for him so that he makes sure that he doesn't get behind on notes. I've known, I know this because when I owned primary care offices, this is stuff that we used to do. So during the pre-assessment, we're talking about the laser and she's telling me about the noticeable difference that it will have after about four weeks. And we're discussing where the scars are that I would like removed. And she's telling me, you know, what I would have to do after pre and post care. And she said, okay, the doctor will be in. I wait for another 30 minutes and this really tall, very healthy looking doctor comes in, has a really good demeanor. He sits down, he crosses his legs and looks at me like he's really going to give me attention. And he said, okay, so I hear that you got this surgery and you're looking for scar removal. And I said, yes. And I told him the two machines that I was reading about. I did a lot of research. Um, one of the machines was a CO2 machine and one was called like a EG machine, but them working together was supposed to have a very high success rate in scar removal. Not only that, you only had to do it one time. You didn't have to come back for successful treatments. He first says, and now he's talking with his brain, right? He says, we got rid of those two lasers a long time ago. We now have a better laser that offers much better results than those two together. Then I said, yeah, I noticed the before and after pictures on your website. And I promise you, this was so crazy. All of a sudden he starts to shift. And he says to me, you can't believe those before and after pictures. He goes, if those machines worked as good as what people say they do, then why wouldn't a plastic surgeon use those machines about four weeks after all of their surgeries as a way to attract clients? He goes, but if you were to call 93% of the surgeons plastic surgeons, they will tell you, even if they have a laser in their office, they are not applying this laser for scar removal to their, their patients. He said it would be no skin off our backs just to do it. He's like, I do facelifts for a living. He's like, if I really believed that it worked as good as what it says it does, and the person was unable to heal like that naturally, he said, I would just say to them, come back in four weeks and I will zap that scar. And he's like, that would make them happier. And he said, I would gladly do that for free. I was in shock because at the beginning of the conversation, he's telling me how great the machines are. He gets this kind of dazed look and now he's telling me basically that it doesn't work. The secretary stops typing and looks at him. And then he continues to tell me Basically what the laser is doing is it's going into a thermal layer underneath the skin and trying to trick the body into healing that scar in a different way because it's like re-scarring you to heal you, but it's hoping to heal the scar on top of the lower thermal scar that this laser would create. Then he looks at me and says, but 
Rebecca, it's all about your genetics. He said, at the end of the day, it is up to your genetics as to how this scar heals. He said, I could give you the laser and then you would treat me as a superhero when you could have done all of this yourself. Oh, this was 100% him channeling spirit. Then he says, I don't know why I just said all of that. I was telling you everything that I was thinking in my head. It came out of my mouth and his secretary just chuckled and sat there kind of in shock. Then he looks at me and he goes, I know I've probably confused you and you have a lot to think about, but if you would want to continue with this appointment, then you need to put 5% down to secure the date. He shakes my hand, he leaves, and we're just staring at each other, the secretary and I, and I said, does the laser machine work or not? At this point, I'm just digesting everything that just happened. And she goes, well, I thought it did. Then I realized what he was telling me is stuff that I've been telling all my students is all about the genetics. So here I am, I have a scar, right? A scar is part of suffering. Think about what a scar represents. It covers up a trauma. So now is the time for me to continue to work deep, deep, deep into my DNA around all this so that I can heal my own DNA to heal my skin in the same way that most people think those lasers are working for them. I couldn't thank the universe enough for that one. It was a long day. My husband comes, picks me up. We drive two hours and 15 minutes back to our home and I'm telling him what's going on. And he says, wow, that's tremendous, Rebecca. He goes, I wanna remind you that Cody's home. Now, Caden is my 20 year old son, the one I was talking about earlier in the podcast, the one that prompted me to call my ex-husband that went into that deep healing. Cody's my 23 year old son. We had had a very rough time with him around the age of 18. He went into some sort of existential depression and his behaviors weren't ideal. And basically I had told him, you know, when you're ready to come back around in a way that's respectful, then I'll be holding space for you. So he had spent the night maybe one or two times at the lake house in the last two years, but now he's coming home to live with me. And I said, this is all about timing this is supposed to happen in the way it needs to, but I couldn't help but to feel, and excuse my language, but that shit was going to hit the fan. I was tired. I had just traveled. I really could have used some sleep because I got up early. And Cody was downstairs and I hugged him and he was in his room. I, I knew he went outside and he was just hanging out by the hot tub. I wasn't sure what he was doing. But up in the kitchen was Ariel, Niall, and Willow and I, and we were telling some funny stories. We were actually having a really good time. And remember, I had created a lot of portals around my house in reference to healing. So when people come into my house, they often have things that happen that make them heal. Well, Cody comes upstairs, and I could tell he looked like he had been smoking marijuana and I said, have you been smoking marijuana? And he said, yeah. 
He comes to the kitchen. He opens up the refrigerator. And I'm telling you, it's like the yogurt just flew out. But obviously, he had to have touched something. And the yogurt just falls down on the ground and just goes everywhere. And he looks at my husband and he says, what did you do that for? And my husband's like, what? I wasn't even touching the refrigerator. And then I look at Cody because I was like, I could see this becoming disastrous. And then I actually started to martyr again. And I said, Cody, just go downstairs. I'll clean it up because he was like hitting into things. And my husband was like, no, he needs to clean that up. And then Cody's like, I'll clean it up. No one be mad. And he was just getting very dramatic saying, if you want, you can kick me out of the house. I know everything's my fault. I just spilled the yogurt. And then he actually starts to say things even louder. And my five-year-old is in the next room and he goes, I'll just go by the side of the road. And he's like, I'll just suck dick for a living. And right in front of my five-year-old. And then I got really angry and I was like, you have to leave. You can't live here. When you were five, you never were exposed to environments like this. No one would have dreamt about saying that in front of you. So I said, you can't live here and act like this. And I was like, you need to go get your stuff. You need to pack it and you need to leave. So he had probably been home less than five hours. Just then Willow comes out, she slips on the yogurt. She falls right on her butt and back and just starts crying. Then my husband starts to hug Willow and looks at Cody and is like, you should apologize to her. And he's like, apologize? What did I do? And then he starts yelling at my husband saying, she's going to hate you so much when she's older. She's going to hate you. And that's when my husband was like, you know what? You need to leave. And so things were just going crazy at this point. Cody walks downstairs. He starts to get his stuff together. I see my daughter, Ariel, 17 year old, follow him down. I call my ex-husband you know, and him and I were on good terms, obviously. And I said, look, it didn't last. I'm sending Cody down your way. He can't live here. And he's asking me what happened. I told him and he's like, okay. He's like, I'll start to clean a room out. He'll either live with me or my mom, which I didn't like that, but I knew he had to leave. Then all of a sudden Ariel comes up and she's like, mom, please come downstairs. And I said, no, Ariel, he's just manipulating. I'm used to his manipulation. And she's like, no, just trust me on this. Just come downstairs. And I went downstairs and I had my guard up because I'm very used to people manipulating their way around things and saying what they think you want to hear. Then he started to cry, cry and cry and cry and cry. And he said, mom, there's something wrong with me. I haven't cried in four years like this. What's happening? He was literally having like an ayahuasca purge. He was purging from his entire body. He was like, I feel sick. And so he started saying things like, I just feel like a failure. I shouldn't be here living off my mom. Mind you, he just graduated like a month earlier from college. He was coming to live with me to wait tables over the summer, have some fun, go to Europe with his friends in the fall, and then find a career-oriented job. But he was just kept calling himself a loser, how he shouldn't be waiting tables for a living. And I was like, Cody, you're only 23. And he's like, I don't deserve all of this, this beautiful house. Then I, what I realized is he sounded like me. He was saying things 
that I would have said at his age, because I was very super motivated at his age. Well, I'll call it that, but I was, you know, I graduated with honors, went straight into the army, had my first professional job at the age of 24. I actually was teaching parents how to, um, I was training foster care parents and putting children in foster care homes at the age of 24, taking care of the children. You know, I was in graduate school and I was doing that, had my first large business when I was 29. So I realized he had those imprints and I was pulling my own imprints out of him during that time. I was saying, this isn't you, this isn't necessary, let's get rid of this. And of course I'm healing myself at the same time pulling this deep, dark sludge out because these are also imprints that my father had held. He was a workaholic and had that same energy of shame and having to work really hard, not being worthy. So we were really doing some deep, deep work. And then Cody said, Mom, I don't know what's happening. I'm so embarrassed that I'm crying this much. My five-year-old Willow was downstairs when he said that, and she walked up and she said, Cody, when I fell on my bum upstairs, I started crying. She goes, but I let the cry flow and I released it and now I feel better. And she said, you have to do the same thing. That made him chuckle. And of course I was doing a lot of self-love exercises with him. I was pulling my ex-husband's imprints out of him. Then my husband came down and he realized what was going on, like a full-blown ceremony without any substance at all. And then Cody looked at my husband and he's like, I can tell you don't like me. You don't want me here. And there are some aspects of what he was saying that were true because my husband wasn't used to having, you know, my older kids around. So Sean worked through this stuff. He's, he's saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm listening. I'll change. And Sean's working on himself. My daughter, Ariel, she's watching this, observing it, working on herself. I'm working on myself. And then Cody just looks at me and he says, mom, I want you to love me. I want you to be proud of me. He's like, everything I do is to make you proud of me. And I said, I am proud of you, Cody. I was like, I just want you to be happy. I don't care what you do. I just want you to be in joy. I don't care what your career is. That is it. I just want you to be in joy. And then he started saying this stuff about how, mom, I just want you. And then I said, no, look in the mirror, look at yourself. And I said, talk to yourself as though you're talking to me. You think you're talking to me. And he was like, I just want you to love me. I just want you to be proud of me. I just want you to accept me. So he's saying it to himself. And then he kept releasing and releasing and releasing. And this went on basically the whole night until I got tired and I told him, okay, you do this for the rest of the night and I'm gonna go to bed and then we'll speak in the morning. So I called my ex-husband to fill him in on what was going on. My daughter had already called him, but I explained the whole situation to him and how Cody was releasing. And he was actually very supportive. And then I said to him, remember you and I talked the other night about you working on yourself to clear the DNA. I said, we are the hard drives if we clear our DNA, you and I, our children are going to shift miraculously around us. My ex-husband continued to tell me that one of his best friends is dying of liver cancer, which started with cirrhosis of the liver. And he started 
questioning his own drinking at this point and that it might catch up with him. And then I said, this is all going together. It's about self-love. When you can connect with yourself, when you love yourself enough, you no longer desire substances that you once used to escape. And then he goes into, Rebecca, do you still drink? And I said, no. And he said, how can you be happy when you're not on anything? And I was like, it's this type of work that I'm telling you about. It teaches you to be in the frequency of joy. It got to the point where alcohol, if I decided to drink, would just bring me down. It's When you're in the frequency of joy and truth and authenticity, you don't need to escape anymore. You know, rarely people drink alcohol to connect. You know, with anything you take, are you taking it to connect or escape? So if you connect with yourself and you're good with yourself, you don't need to escape from anything. And then I was telling him, you know, just do the work that we had discussed talking the other night on the phone. Just keep working on yourself. Keep with the self-love and remember that you can have freedom and truly be in love at the same time because we don't want you to take yourself out of the world. And he actually said to me, okay, Rebecca, I'm going to do this. You and I are going to work on our DNA and we're going to watch everybody heal. So my father was an alcoholic. My ex-husband's father at one point was an alcoholic. And my ex-husband definitely had a drinking problem. Cody at the end was saying that he was abusing alcohol and that's one of the things he wanted to stop. He wanted to stop doing marijuana and he wanted to stop doing alcohol because he felt like he was using them to escape. He said whenever he would do something like psilocybin or the magic mushrooms, that was for him to connect within himself and that's where he would do the inner work. He has yet to do ayahuasca, but that is our plan for the summer 100%. So as Cody was purging that night, I knew he was still downstairs working on himself because I'd given him a few capsules of psilocybin. I smelled smoke. It was all over the room and it was very familiar. So then I look at my husband and I'm like, do you smell that? And he's like, no, I don't smell anything. And I started really questioning my sanity. I'm like, it's everywhere. How can you not smell it? And then I just relaxed because my husband was like, just relax, Rebecca. You've been through a lot. You haven't gotten a lot of sleep. And then I realized my father smoked a pipe practically all my life, not cigarettes, but a pipe. And he had a certain tobacco that he used. And that exact smell I was smelling was the tobacco smoke that would come from my father's pipe. I believe that was coming out as Cody was downstairs continuing to release his DNA. As I was releasing my DNA, as we were healing that alcoholic pattern within the DNA. This would heal the past, present, and future within our family. Now, if you can think of something in your life that you would never imagine to happen, and it happens, that's what this was like. This is a testament to this work all the way around and how unconditional love spreads and how there can be world peace. So I invite you guys to treat the world as your mirror to start to work on things. Sometimes it does feel like things are flipping upside down. 
But I promise you at the end, it will make sense if you surrender and trust. And sometimes it's hard, but the key is, is the faith and trust that this stuff is real. And you can look in the most beautiful mirror you've ever looked in and see the best version of yourself. So this completes upside down mirror. And I want to leave you guys with the fact that I love you and I'm holding space for you every day. I also will be releasing this as a book. And in the book, there is going to be exercises for you to do to help you with your own journey in reference to treating the world as a mirror, doing some deep self-love techniques and manifesting not only your harmonic twin flame, but manifesting your heaven on earth, your reality as a frequency of harmony.